0: You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 147 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. My guest in this episode is Olly Boone. And we are going to talk about the Roots Project. I won't say much about it since Ollie will go into it, but what I will say is the fact that if you like Shipibo art as much as I do, then they have some sweet stuff over at their website, therootsproject.com. And the Shipibos who made those objects of art, they will not be left out of the financial loop, which is cool, I think. Okay, here's Ollie. So thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Thanks. So please tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, so my name is Ollie, um, and I started uh, the Roots Project quite recently. It's it's in its uh, launch kind of phase at the minute. Um, I've been travelling through throughout the Americas for around seven years, and I've been returning to the UK for a couple months in the summers. And uh, I kind of uh, started to seed this project called the Roots Project, which is uh, an intercultural kind of grassroots grassroots network organization. And we work directly with indigenous communities in the Amazon and in the Andes of Peru. And we also have a, a record label, which we've recently started, called the Roots Project Records. And we're working with a tradition in Gabon, uh, the Bwiti tradition, uh, which, which you've covered on the show before, uh, I know, Alex. Um, so, yeah, so I'm currently uh, just right over on the border of Wales in the UK um, and we're working with a team of um, kind of highly skilled international um, kind of professionals in different fields who are helping to build this kind of ethical, uh, direct trade, like fair trade, um, intercultural kind of network um, organism we really designed it according to the, the the principles of permaculture using permaculture design um as as a kind of as a framework to design this project so it's, it's really like mimicking nature and how nature works uh, and and um, the service that we offer to the indigenous communities is we offer a completely free service where it's uh they always receive 100 percent of their asking price uh we work with uh indigenous and, and local and photographers which are local to the area from where they come from and they uh, share the vision of our project. they invite the artisans to participate and and then they basically explain how we work and then what happens is we basically create a live inventory of indigenous ancestral crafts. So um, they take a photograph, they generate a code, uh, they upload to our website and um, we basically Um, help to help to sell that help to distribute that art and in the process of of that of offering this free service to the artisans we're able to reinvest into regenerative uh, permaculture projects that are high impact and self-replicating we're working with some specific models that are um, that have been proven to work in um, El Salvador and and uh, Costa Rica that are really kind of interesting models that I think we can could really have a lot of potential in in creating the transition In the transition movement, Um, but obviously um, we we also work with a team of um, a team of uh, fashion designers, music producers, and uh, product developers who do collaborative projects with indigenous artisans. And through that process, we're able to offer um, we're we're able to co-create. Uh, new, new and interesting kind of products, new and interesting products to to enter into new niches, which have never been seen before. So, um, with the record label, we we basically have this collaborative um, project at the minute, working with the Briti tradition, and uh, we've we have a direct link working with uh, Ibando and um, Tatao, who's the the French doctor who's been out in Gabon for over 45 years and he's basically connecting us with the artisans and we're sending off the samples to a team of um music producers who are creating complementary organic um tasteful kind of remixes which complement the 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 essence of the original song um and they like deepen the groove so it's a really it's it's really about retaining the the essence from these ancestral traditions and enabling um their music to have a much wider kind of exposure like and through that process whilst honoring the essence of the tradition and communicating that using these opportunities to communicate the essence of these traditions we're able to help funnel um finance funds resources into projects that are genuinely really helping the the lands that are really helping the communities and um, and we're able to help to function as a network for that. Uh, there's many different aspects of the project that i not want to go, go into into all of them quite now, just as just, especially as we're just starting. But yeah, so that, that's the that's the essence of the roots project in itself. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's a little, little bit
0: about me and, and the kind of where my passion has been uh, leading up to leading up to today. You mentioned permaculture. Can you expand on that in case some listeners are not that familiar with what it is?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so permaculture is a set of a series of nature-based design principles, where it's it's essentially I don't know if you heard of the term biomimicry, but it's basically looking on how nature functions and um, and nature works. It's it's drawing upon the wisdom of nature. Yeah. And um, compiling that and and translating that into a series of principles and how we can design anything. It's it's an approach to design anything. It's an approach to design our lives. It's, it could be an approach to design businesses. It could be an approach to design towns, cities. Most people often associate uh, permaculture with gardening. Um, more more often than not, because it's the, it's a physical representation of how you can use permaculture to design. A, a food system and, and what's often used in permaculture is our food forests so it's it's mimicking natural forest systems and strategically planting positioning certain crops and and how um certain um trees bushes shrubs in so they're working in symbiosis with one another but it also merges with our lives so we so it's more like we fit into nature we merge with nature as opposed to how things are traditionally done today and you kind of just just kind of like wipe it out um, and 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 then kind of just just start start imposing um human conditions on it but what permaculture does is it looks at the subtle energy systems within nature it's really what it's really been taken from a lot of our indigenous ancestors it's really been um which really been evolved from from our indigenous ancestors. And um, put into a into a into a modern framework, which is something could be like easily taught and replicated. Um, so it's so it's yeah, it's basically that's it in the essence. Um, what I've I've just actually finished doing a people and permaculture uh, facilitators training with Luby McNamara uh, over here in Herefordshire, um, and it was it was really that's really looking at the social aspect of permaculture using something called the design web. And so it's basically looking at different aspects on how we can approach um, how we can approach visions, how we can approach projects, how we can approach our lives or our relationships, uh, how we can design our lives for the next five, ten years, the next six months, whatever that looks like, using um, basically a series of drivers. So when we think about permaculture, there's twelve core principles with. Um, Holmgren's principles in a 16 with Bill Mollison, who is the founder. And what these principles are, they're really like kind of drivers. They're really like anchor points that you can sit in and look at the world or look at whatever that whatever is you're looking at from a different perspective. So just to give an example, the first uh, the first principle in permaculture is observe and interact. And So if you if you just got a bit of land, you don't want to just instantly move in and just start moving things around and doing whatever you think, whatever you think with the land initially. But perhaps a more intelligent, uh, a more wise approach uh, would be to kind of sit back and look at the landscape. And often people that have new areas of land that they're planning on doing a permaculture project with, they won't really do too much within the first year. They won't really do a great deal. They'll do the bare minimum, but they'll really just observe where the sun goes, where the sun, this movements of the sun throughout the year, they'll observe what plants are already existing in that area, how that's working in symbiosis with with other plants in that area. They observe their natural, their own systems and where they walk to the most. You know, th- these are areas of what we visit the most, whether that be for different resources, for water or for for walking or for for animals or whatever that might be. So you observe your own natural energy flows. So you really it's a process of standing back and looking at looking at natural systems and what i find really interesting especially with the social permaculture aspect is that we can look at these principles in an internal level we can really apply these principles at an internal level and that's something that uh has really helped me i think throughout um working with yeah different plant medicines throughout the years spending all the time in peru and uh but yeah it's permaculture has been a really complementary tool it's been a really it, it really changes the world that we look at and after you do it, after you do one of these permaculture design courses um, then it's uh, things will never be the same again because it's you don't you see we start to see a world full of solutions you, you see you, you see you start to notice how everything interlinks together and, and the and the ecosystems which are around us all the time and how we can fit into that so yeah it's, i really think it's one of the most powerful um set of tools, series of tools that we've got today in order to catalyse change and I think it's hopefully it'll be a word, it'll be a terminology that people are going to start to hear more and more because it's it's really about regeneration. It's not so much about, we hear a lot of talk today about sustainability and how sustainability really means that you just keep things going as they've been going. You're not giving more than you're taking and you're not taking more than you're giving. So and we look at what degenerative means, and that's really the essence of what what's going on in, at large in society today, how we're, we're leaving the earth in a, in a state which is worse than how we found it. And if you look at the concept of regenerative or regeneration, then we really look at um, how um, native North Americans, native South Americans, really indigenous peoples from all over the world that have retained the essence of their wisdom, of the wisdom traditions, and where they're really planning for the future generations, they're really planning for resilience and diversity. Um, And that's where we're, what we look at the term regeneration, regenerative practices. And that's really what permaculture is. It's helping to, uh, to regenerate the earth.
0: How did your interest in indigenous cultures begin? Yeah, um I mean it probably it
1: started a number of years ago I think. I I, I mean there was books that I was reading, there were certainly documentaries that I kind of came across and um I always had a fascination with going to uh set, set central and south America and then the Americas in general. Um and I think it was back in it was 2010 I um I used to have a cafe actually called the Roots Cafe. Mm and um it was over here in Wales and um for for for, a re- for basically we had we, there was a whole series of events that happened when I only, only had the cafe for four months or so and got put in a position where I had to get a huge amount of money together to basically buy this cafe and, and I just just didn't happen so I ended up going to um Costa Rica and to go and do to go and be a scuba diver and um I went to go and do a, be a scuba diving instructor over there and I went to go and do my instructor's course and 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 i really the the, one of the main kind of ulterior motives behind going there was because of these um ancient stone structures that were over there and, and the the civilizations which still existed in fragments and some some more whole um which still exist today which 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 were partly responsible for the making of these at least the heritage still kind of existed so i went over there and um what really kind of sparked my interest is um I was on the way to Roatan in Honduras, and I came to an island. It was really kind of synchronistic. I was in Nicaragua, and we were gonna. It was me and my my ex partner, Steph, and we were gonna be going to this um, surfing town called so San Juan del Sur. And we were in um, was it um, Muyagalpa, the capital, and we were on the way there. And suddenly, I had like this feeling. I was like, we need to get off this bus and instantly knew we had to get off this bus and went off this bus and and we knew that we had to go to this island called Ometepe and we literally as this we just got we just instantly just jumped off the bus and then as as this as we got off that bus another bus was just coming by and it was going to Ometepe and we jumped on this bus and 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 it took us there and and we literally the last two people to enter the gates that were going into the ferry that took you over to this island just as the gates were closing we just we just got through and um I met this elder. Um, I went to this um, hostel that was there. It was called El Indio Viejo, and there was an elder there called um, Maolin. And I and I saw this guy, and I thought, oh, he looks like an interesting, an interesting guy. He was he was this old, um, this old kind of. Um, he was traditionally from the El Nui tradition in Canada, but he'd all, he also had Native Nicaraguan roots, which is why he was there. And he had this one long mono dread that was almost like down to the floor, and. Um, He I got to know him and I saw him and we kind of had these chats and I was really interested what was going on on the island because there's loads of petroglyphs of these spirals all over the island. And there were also um, the ferianthropes. So you get the kind of um, part human, part animals and um, there were these statues and kind of monoliths with different depictions and stelae all throughout the islands that depicted these different kind of beings. And I went and had a chat with him bit by bit, and and he, he kind of opened up to me. And I got to learn that he was a uh, he was ninety four years old. This guy, and he spoke fourteen different languages, and uh, he was also a professor of law. And he went to Harvard University, and he he shared shared with me a lot of his story. And he took me to this area, which. Um, he said that I was the first white person to go to this area, and and at this time I really didn't know much about Indigenous tradition at all. Like I was saying before, just from little fragments I picked up in in the book here and there, and and uh, and um, the the occasional documentary, and and I, so I spent time with this guy. Um, I spent about five weeks there, and he shared a lot of really interesting information with me, but um, I wasn't able to fully kind of digest it at the time when this was happening, but um, the way how they lived, he took me back to this area and it was like a full ecosystem that was in this tiny little space. And there were all of these plants growing there and they lived in a Guam um, back there. And there there was this whole kind of like network of people that they were involved with. And um, it was really interesting, everything, how I observed, what I observed about my time there was how they'd share the food, how they'd name everything that they were eating and honour these beings as like living beings, like uh, honouring the onion, honouring the the squash and honouring all these different um these different vegetables as 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 as, as a true animist was someone who really sees the world in that terms and it was it was really beautiful and how they'd share the food with one another and put food put food aside for anyone that might arrive late in the night so i think this really kind of sparked sparked something inside of me that i'd never experienced before and um i then went on to um there's a, there's a whole story that follows that. But I then went on to stumble upon managing this um, cultural community centre in Guatemala, where I, I, I was there for about six months. And we were working with uh, a Mayan elder called Tata Pedro, um, which I'm sure some of your listeners might, he might be familiar with him. He's he's one of the firekeepers of the Suta Hill tradition. And um, I started to learn a lot about Mayan fire ceremonies about Mayan cosmology um, and we used to have these kind of intercultural exchanges where where he'd come along with some of his apprentices and and we'd um we'd basically yeah we'd, we'd, we'd host these really interesting really authentic kind of um Mayan fire ceremonies there and i so, and then it sparked a whole series of events and um ended up traveling to Peru and the Amazon uh for the first time back in I think, 2000 and 11 or 2012 I think it was 2011 and yeah I spent you know a lot of time in the jungle but I think that was yeah that's pretty much the story of how how it got started it was a kind of really a series of kind of synchronicities I think it was like one one kind of after another
0: so you spent a long time in that part of the world but why did you decide to make an album with BeWiti music from Gabon in Central Africa ah so so this was this was kind of as the project was forming together
1: um as the roots project was forming together, and and as these kind of the vision was coming clearer for what the project is, and hey, it's not just textiles, art, music, as it's not just art, it's not just all these different um, things that we were thinking about doing before. But it, so it needs to be um, music. Music is a key part of this because music is holds the essence of these traditions, and it really communicates something that's much deeper that can be um, depicted in just words. And I was thinking about this deeply about how we could create a truly like ethical framework and infrastructure, a really ethical network in which we could work with ancestral music and um, retain the essence of the, of the of the culture, but also help to channel resources and channel um, direction and information back to help these these communities. And it would literally been like a week, a week before this festival, I've been thinking about this a lot. And I was like, right, okay, I made a decision. I was like, right, I'm gonna, um, I, need to, I need to, I need to put the word out there. I need to try and find to see if there's any, any indigenous artists out there that we can work with, any traditions that would be open to this idea, to trying something out. Uh, and and then I went to this festival called Kaya, Kaya Festival, and uh, met this, um, this guy, I, I was kind of like, because this was the first year that I started going around with, with the Roots Project yurt, and we were, we were selling some of the textiles from, from South America and I was drumming, I was drumming outside the year and then this whole bunch of drummers came over. There must've been about 30 drummers that came over and, um, and I, they no, I kind of noticed them drumming and they noticed me drumming and then they came over and we were drumming together. And then um, I got chatting with the guy who was leading uh, the drummers um, called Aaron, Aaron Melly. And had a really good chat with him. And we were talking about, he noticed some of the textiles and he'd never been to Peru, but he was really interested in the traditions over there. So he came and sat down, we were talking for hours. And um, we basically, he invited me back to his place. And he's got this beautiful place where I'm actually going to be going to uh, this coming weekend. And um he's he's got he's got forty seven acres of, of, of ancient woodland there. And um he played some of this Bwiti music and I was this was like honestly the most some of the most beautiful music I'd ever heard. It was just so um complex yet simple and it had such like um such such like a rich heritage behind it. And the voice um from Irangui that he that he shared with us was just this voice was just like deeply deeply kind of like haunting but also just had like this like almost like a wisdom you could hear the wisdom behind the voice and I was just like completely enchanted by this so I um I was obviously I, I shared to Aaron I said to Aaron's like Aaron you know this like like last week I've just I've just been thinking about this idea of doing a, a record label with the Roots project and 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 I wondered if like you might be able to put me in contact with this artist and um and uh, you know to see if we can basically make this happen and, and explain to him and he really liked the idea of what we were doing so he passed on the music and then we we got in contact with with Tatayo and Tatayo was able to um to give us get us permission to use um to use this music and so it's, it's basically through working with you through the synchronicity with um, Aaron passing on the music from Rangui and then that leading to um, communicating and um, with Tatayo, then we were able to start seed this first project of Roots Project Records, which is really going to be the first many working with many different traditions. And um, we're currently um we're currently talking with um, the Voices of America, which is a project that's produced with um, Ivan, who is he's the tribal coordinator for the tribal gathering in Panama, where they have over 60 different indigenous traditions that attend to this. And he's um, he's been he's been reaching out to some some of the Taitas in Colombia and some of the um, uh, Huniquin tradition. Uh, and I think some of the Ashen Inca as well that they're that they're working with and sharing our project with them because he's really excited about um what the essence of what this project is, that it's truly like a, a regenerative record label that that really it's really a collaborative project that's working directly with the indigenous artisans. Um and I was just and what I'm noticing more and more in the music world is people are using a lot of uh indigenous music um from the different traditions and they're and they're not like even giving recognition from where that music's coming from, let alone sending any of the resources or profits that are made back to help those traditions. And I just, I noticed this and it kind of frustrates me. It's kind of, it's kind of, it feels like another kind of um, wave of kind of colonization and cultural appropriation. So I really wanted to kind of see that there was a solution there. I wanted to see that there's, that there's a way how this could be done, which does honor the source of it that is able to, to give back, um, to to the people and their community and the lands and it and it's able to really work as a as a funnel because um, what we want to do with the with the with the record label is it's not just selling the music but we really want to um, batch lots of um lots of concepts in with that music. So there'll be um like a PDF about the tradition. There'll be a podcast where we'll perhaps you've be speaking with some of the elders or perhaps someone that's been spending a lot of time or living within the tradition for many, many years. So we can really kind of get deep insights um into the Cosmovision and any anything that the community wants to share really. But our, our main kind of infrastructure is like the cosmovision, the creation story, the approach to healing, uh and and perhaps more really relevant for today is is the, is the present day situation so so it's ha- what is the situation with the community today and are there ways in which they need help and and, and, and how can we do that um, so it's communicating that through the, the through the music and it's also we want to try and provide call to actions in the form of instruments perhaps ancestral instruments that might be available some of the instruments that you might be hearing in the music um it might be traditional textiles arts uh, beadwork clothes, so there'll be um, a direct link and channels for distribution for the community. If they have anything that they want us to help help sell, to help bring to the world, so they can help help with resources within the community. Then we want to basically that's what the Roots F- Project is functioning as. It's like a kind of um, a transparent network where we can open up distribution for them in which in whichever way they want. And that's the most important thing that I really want to stress here. It's not us going in and go hey we want to do this we want to do that we want to do that it's like hey this is what we can offer and if you're interested then we can help make that happen and it, it's it's looking at permaculture it's the demonstrate educate replicate kind of model so it's like hey this is what we're able to do if you're interested in that we can help make it happen and we'd love to work with you and it's really honoring the wisdom that's that they've that they've been the holders of for thousands of years and helping to share that with the world you know helping to to share this um the beauty and the elegance and the the simplistic way of of seeing solutions that are there and, and getting insights and in how we can live in community and how we can live in harmony like with the earth um, yeah so i think that that in in combination with um, regenerative design with permaculture design creates a really interesting framework um, and a really interesting setting for a solutions focused approach
0: the Bwiti instrument uh, the mangongo is like it's like a stick with a string on it and it's supposed to be one of the oldest instruments in the world and uh, I heard it a lot during my iboga ceremony which lasted about a week and I heard this sound this mangongo 24/7 and after a while I almost asked Hey, is that electronic music? Because when you get right into the music of a skilled mangongo player, it starts to sound like some sort of tribal drum and bass or something yeah it's
1: piercing it's a really piercing sound isn't it it kind of like goes right inside you and it's and it's uh you know there's like a kind of rhythm that's played with it it seems like almost a, almost like a kind of erratic kind of form doesn't it it's, it's but you can see it's, it's really effective for the for the death part of the ceremony yeah and then and then to be brought out of that with with the with the Nagombi, you know this like beautiful kind of ancestral harp which it's almost it almost sounds kind of similar to the to the west african um ngoni i don't know if you heard of you heard of the ngoni or even the kora you know the large the large african harp but yeah they're really they're really incredible instruments and they're played by like by true by true masters very highly skilled musicians when you hear the traditional booty music now oh, it's amazing
0: what happened to me when i did my iboga ceremony was that they put the harp on my forehead and started playing as the sun was rising and it was utterly amazing because I was like somehow sucked into the instrument it's hard to explain but it was awesome
1: yeah I can imagine wow and it's it is a, it's a really big bow isn't it they play it with the mouth and they kind of like kind of twang it <laughs> they twang it really really like skillfully it's amazing it's amazing but yeah it's um you can see like the impact and what like, music in, in general the impact that it has on our consciousness and, and where it takes us and you know how it's, it's almost like emotion and and music is almost inseparable you know it's like when you when you listen when you're looking at even like um eat, uh, is it the cat scans of the brain when you're looking at people's brain and, and you're looking at certain emotions and the areas of the brain even alone that's activated through through music and areas of emotion um I, I remember, I remember there's a really interesting documentary I saw called um, "Alive Inside," and I don't know if you ever saw it, but it's um, it's got a really interesting bit at the beginning where it's this um, it's this old old lady who who uh, she has Alzheimer's and she's um, and and initially the interviewer he's like could, could you tell me something about your youth about your history about your past or anything like that and she, she's really struggling and she's like I'm sorry I, I I can't remember you know I can't remember and then he goes he plays some some Louis Armstrong to her, and he's he's she's listening to this Louis Armstrong, and almost instantaneously, as soon as she starts listening, she goes, "I remember it was nineteen forty nine, and I was sitting on the porch with my brother, and I remember and there's all these like really vivid, lucid kind of details that she was recalling, like really fluidly after as soon as this music had 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 taken place. But so if you think about just the music on that respect, how it can bring bring about emotion, but also like some of these some of these instruments that have been played for thousands of years with um in accordance with these like with these ceremonies and 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 the energies which they call upon and where they take you where they direct you and what areas of their consciousness they like help to open up it's really they're really it's a really essential part to ceremony and it's really a profound um tool in how it can really kind of um enable us to 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 delve to the depths of our consciousness you know it's really really interesting
0: the music I bought some of the Bwiti instruments when I was in Gabon. And it's interesting how simple like the mongongo really is. It's just a, a stick with a string on it. It looks like the bow in, with a bow and arrow. And it's very easy to play. Anyone can do it. And uh, what's amazing is how those skilled mongongo players, how they can technically complicate something that's so simple to begin with. And it sounds amazing. And I'll play now some eh uh, mongongo by uh, maviango an excellent player and a nice guy so the listeners can can get an idea of what this instrument sounds like
1: I mean, you look at the the kind of instruments that's kind of perhaps similar to that, which is also said to be one of the oldest as well. You know, just the simple like mouth harp, you know, the, the smaller mouth harp, like the juice harp. And the range of sounds that you can get with that and how it's still kind of used today. And is it, is, is it in Siberian traditions where it's used today for, for like altered states of consciousness, um, to enter altered states of consciousness if you continuously play it? Uh, I guess similar to the whole Siberian drumming, you know, it's all that whole shamanic drumming, you know, how that can take, you, take your brain into a theta state and you really kind of go... Go deep with it, but yeah, you can see. imagine just just playing it, just playing it for that amount of time. I'm sure it's 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 taken you in, into the the world of Iboga.
0: <laughs> when I got into indigenous music, it somehow ruined Western music for me. Uh, these days, the Beatles just sounds bland and empty of soul in comparison. Indigenous music is like free. It doesn't really have verse and chorus. It doesn't repeat four notes or have a four-four sequence. It's like some free-form jazz of some sort. It's definitely like channeling and less structured than Western music.
1: Mm. Yeah,
0: completely coming through them. And it's like,
1: and it's it's also um, it's like polyphonic, isn't it? Because you, cause you've, you've you've often got at least two. Seemingly separate melodies that are like going on together that are completely like kind of uh, merging together and complementing one another. It's like you can play them both separately, and you know, often one will be in like a different kind of almost like time sequencing from the other one. But it's yeah, it's really really complex, but it just goes together so like elegantly. You know, it's really beautiful, really beautiful music. The traditional. Greasy music, huh? I think as, as part as part of the some of the uh, challenges that that some of the remixing artists had on working with the initiation. Um, project that the record the first our first record project was was that yeah they just had not got anything that could com that could work with that you know it was like wait a sec so how did we break this down and, and what most of them kind of did it was interesting what what because of the different approaches and ter- interpretations which the different artists did because what most of them do was okay so i need to break this down into some sort of four four sequence like a standard four four sequence where you know something changes every every uh every 36 beats uh sorry every 34 beats but um and then, but then, Amoja I, 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 I did one which hasn't actually been released yet. It's coming out on the second sampler, but they basically did like a, um, uh, like a mallet version. It was like a, no, not a kalimba, a marimba version of, 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 uh, of one of the melodies that was played on one of the tracks, which, which sounded really good. Which I can, I can actually, I can, I can send you that over separately afterwards if you want to, if you want to listen to that because it hasn't been released yet. But, um, but yeah, no, it's so it's really that was what the, one of the main challenges to it, that they had is like, well, how how do we work with this? Because it's like it's no sequence that we've we can even relate to, you know? It's so complex. But yeah, it sounds it just comes out so fluidly. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's really beautiful music.
0: If you never heard Bewiti music and you hear it for the first time, it can sound chaotic. But once you take Iboga and you hear it again, it all makes sense. Uh, almost as if it was written on Iboga.
1: Yeah, certainly. Or, yeah, written on Iboga, perhaps by Iboga, perhaps, you know, perhaps it was coming through, coming through these, uh, the, the musicians, you know, perhaps it was, or at least an aspect of that. Because I certainly feel like that when I play music, it's it certainly, I'm sure like a lot of musicians can um, relate to this, unless perhaps if it's just all sheet kind of music, but if you're just playing and jamming along and, and improvising, which is what I do most of, you know it's it's certainly like like it's what's come coming through you it's music is something that comes through you you know I think perhaps a small percentage of it is is technique and how you can actually put that across, but a lot of it is just kind of allowing this kind of stream of creativity to kind of flow through you and and often the times that you mess up in fact the only times that you mess up is when you start thinking about it and it was when a thought jumps in and, and then and then immediately I'm like, oh Oh, okay. I <laughs> that's that's what went wrong there, is then you start thinking, but it's from that that's from, you know, from my personal perspective, that's that's kinda of seems what it is. It's almost like it's it's out there and it's something you can just channel through, you know.
0: Even if I jam, I'm still aware of what notes I'm playing. But when I asked some of the Buiti what notes they were using, they went kind of like, I don't know.
1: Oh that's interesting. Well how, how do they tune them then? I, I, they just tune, they tune them by ear into, into natural kind of um to, to how it sounds in sequence now because i'm not musically trained either i haven't like actually I, do, I didn't know really the difference apart from if i can hear them hear them, hear them at the same time or next to each other the, the, of different notes but i can um I, I, I so i don't know what the different notes are the keys I kind of got loose idea of what an octave is but I'm wondering, how, yeah, how would the um, how do Bwiti like the tune instruments like as they're going along? Is it, it's just in a natural succession of, of the notes, yeah? Uh,
0: well, for instance, the Bwiti harp, it has notes. Like, it starts with a C and ends with a C, but it doesn't mean everybody who plays it well knows the notes. I mean, they, I'm sure most of them play with feeling. But the mongongo, it just, it just has one string, so I guess they just tune that by ear. And uh, during my ceremony they also had a drum section, it was like two long 2x4s and they beat on it with sticks. And it did not look that impressive, but man did it sound good when they started drumming. Uh, But uh, are you going to do a similar remix project with uh, Shipibo music? Yeah, well, with
1: the the huinkuni, we've we've got a uh, potential up- upcoming project with them. Um, I've spent a lot of time with the Shipibo over the years, um, over, yeah, for, for about seven years or so, I've been I've been going to the jungle, spending um, big chunks of time, big chunks of time there over over the over the kind of five years I was living in Peru, so got some 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 good friends that i've made over that time and, s- and some of which are doing some really cool music some of which are actually doing a shipibo rap there's actually some of the kids are starting to do some shipibo kind of like hip-hop which is really funny uh, it's really kind of cool but but yeah no for sure um definitely so we have the and we ha- we are going to be doing some some amazonian projects uh i'm well connected with the um sequoia uh, or the Baikoka. um or the Sikopay, they're also known as in Ecuador, who are a really fascinating tradition. Um and they they work with Yahe and they have a really um like the traditional Yahe, they're supposed to be the original um right receivers of the Yahe, of the Yahe medicine and the tradition from um from the Winyapai, who, who are said to be uh the always new ones. And they're also known as as God's multicoloured people or God's rainbow people and um they have a really their 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 songs are insane they're so so beautiful so intense and really really powerful really kind of Fast frequency. It's really like it's because it, yahi's is like the it's like a celestial a medicine with the shiakopai tradition. It's like a celestial medicine, so the really kind of fast and high hitting and um and it's yeah. Of course, it will with the yahi that they use, it has the five meo DMT, so it has the it's you know it's known as the god molecule. And it's, it's very much like a celestial medicine, where the ayah is is has, has certainly been like more of a, a kind of an earth earthy medicine you know, coming from coming from the earth, but. It's um we definitely we have got we have got some tracks from the Circle and and um, my good friend uh, Jonathan Sparrow Jonathan Miller Weisberger the the author of Rainforest Medicine uh, he'd be a great person to interview in the show I don't know if you, if you have already but he's 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 got some amazing stories and um, he is in the process he's actually um, speaking with one of the elders they're the president of the of the communities. Um, about us using um some of the samples us working with some of the samples from, from many of the elders um they're often they're often not very happy about stuff being recorded so we're being very sensitive to that and but there are some songs that they that they're open to us using so we'll be doing some some work with definitely the sikopai um we've got some we've actually Jonathan's given us um He's given us um, permission to work with some of this these tracks, this master Jaguar chant from um, Mingatui, from this old master shaman, and he's Kofan shaman uh, from from years ago, and he's got it on these on these high quality tape recordings over in Ecuador, and he said next time he goes over there, he'll um, he said we'll be able to work with those. He's really well connected with the family, so it's really really beautiful. Um, but yeah, well, luckily, you know, we made a lot of amazing contacts over the years, uh, traveling to the Amazon and being all, being all over, being all over the Americas. And we made some really good, really good friends, uh, many of whom are indigenous or, so, or many of whom I've also spent like, you know, decades, um, forming real, real relationships with the communities, real friendships, and have been of service to them and been really helping them. So, um and and they really see that the the value and the essence in the project and the work that we're doing so they're really helping to be allies in that so um there's there's also some of the ash and inca tradition uh we've got a friend over there at the minute mike paul and there's potentially we could be working with the ash and inca but um at the minute because the roots project we've had so many different aspects of the project that's been going on and i'm like i'm like kind of one of those guys that just um that's always trying to spin like you know 12 plates and i'll try and spin a few more and and um and it's been a, it's been really it's been really challenging but really rewarding um especially now as everything's kind of accumulating to this point where we're really ready to um, share the project with 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 the world and all this w- all this work that we've been putting into it um, but yeah most most certainly there's lots of um lots of really interesting Amazonian projects I've actually um started to become good friends with um Kindi, uh, which means golden golden hummingbird. And he came to um, speak at he came to speak at one of the um, events that we did um, in August for the eclipse, uh, which was also called Initiation. Which which if you go to our website, you'll be able to see the um, you'll be able to see all the talks from that event. There's some really good speakers, but Kudi Kindi said he's also um, really open and open to us sampling some of his music and working with that, working with some of the ancestral songs. But um, yeah, I'm really excited to see where this project goes. You know, um, um. To, uh, we've got a label manager uh Tamara Montenegro who's who's going to be managing the roots project records uh for the future and uh, I'll be obviously helping helping where I can and helping with with the networks and, and relationships and friends and contacts that we've, that we've been making over the years but she'll, she'll really be uh taking the lead on the, on the on the music project in the future Should be really exciting but yeah and, and and not even limited to the to the Amazon you know we really want to look, look at the world as the roots project um expands you know we really want to looking at the world's indig- indigenous heritage and um, I've, I've been spending most of my time over the past five years in the Andes and um, uh, mostly with the Quechua people I've got many friends up in the Quechua mountains of the sacred valley and all around there and and there's a beautiful community called Chaiwatiri and Amaru and uh, we've, we've got Good, good friends, that are like family that are up there that, that play some of the ancestral flutes and some of the ancestral harps, and uh, it's really angelic, um, beautiful mountain music that we'll be working with in the future. And of course, I, as the Roots Project scales out, you know, we want to want to really want to be working with um, with um, the Maracame, you know, the Wichol people from from Mexico. We've got good connections there as well, and the, the Maya from Guatemala. And then as we span all over the world, you know, we definitely want to work more with the African traditions as well.
0: You should check out the music of the Sami people of the Arctic, northern Norway, Sweden, Finland and Russia. And uh what what's interesting with with Sami music is that, you know, their traditional songs, they often start with this sound which is very similar to how the sheep people start their songs with and I find it interesting that all indigenous cultures are very different, but they they are also very similar. Yeah, I mean, exa- exactly
1: that. If you look at the essence behind them, behind the behind, you know, because there's there's kind of certain kinds of traditions and there's certain kind of rituals and certain kind of uh, kind of doctrines that have been put in place, you know, throughout different traditions. But if you really look at the essence and what lies behind them, and you realize that they're really communicating the same thing from many different angles you know and it's like it's it's really that's what i find fascinating like you know with the, the shipibo tradition or the, even the mestizo tradition you know where it's kind of kind of mixed with with the spanish and and some of the madre de dios and different traditions in the amazon you know it's um and and with the sikuri as well you know that that the soplando the soplar the, the whistling before is is Almost universally, it's universally seen as like it's a kind of asking for permission and giving permission. It's like kind of like gently knocking on a door before you're kind of going to start singing and really kind of and welcoming in some of the the plant spirits, you know. And and what I found as well with with all of the Amazonian traditions that I work with that I've worked with, it's um, it's uh, there's also almost always like a push word, you know. So it's um, I can catch why you've got sinchi sinchi and um in in Sikopai, you've got Dwi, dwee Dwi. so it's after you put pushing um like an invocation out there um, like with the Sikopai, they'd be like when when so they're pushing that invocation out there and it's almost as they're, as they're putting it's that emergence of like focus and intent and when those two kind of like forces are combined and you're pushing these invocations out there it's like it almost like it reverberates through 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 other dimensions. And enables those um, kind of portals to open, you know. And, open, and, and welcomes those 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 entities, those spirits, those energies, or however you want to look at it, in, you know. And 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 ask ask them to help, you know. Whatever 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 the intention is behind that. But yeah, I find that I find that throughout the world there's there is and sound has been univers used universally known and used used that way because it almost feels like sounds as you as we use. Use sound with with the in, in in cooperation with our intention behind it. It's almost like it's where mind and mind and matter meet, or where mind and mind mind kind of merges with with uh, with frequency, you know, and, and how that's and how that can how that can ripple out into different into different dimensions and just just in the surrounding area around us. If you're just looking at sound waves. So what are the websites if people are interested? yeah sure well, perhaps the simplest way of of finding um, our project is, is just going to our website which is uh therootsproject.com. it's www or just just type in therootsproject.com. Um you can also if you just want to go directly to um, directly to the music you can go to soundcloud.com forward slash Project records Um, And yeah, you'll be able to find us on there. And there's links there to the tracks. Um, We're in the process of putting the whole website together. But I think um, hopefully by the time this gets out to your listeners, we we should have this, we should have the project pretty much fully up and running, or at least we're still in the kind of, we're still putting together the project. So it's in the Roots 1.0 kind of stage as it's ready to kind of ready to really start growing because you'll see if you have a look on our website you see all the areas that we've already kind of started to work on and all the areas that we, we we are working on
0: so let's finish with a track from the initiation album called access to the sacred can you say something about that track um yeah, well I mean the artist, the indigenous artist is
1: um Irangui and and that's all for all of the ones for, for, for this um for this release. Uh, Irangui is from a little little uh, fishing village, uh I think about four hours away from Libreville. And um so yeah, it's um, basically uh, we asked Tatayota did the did the trans he helped us with the translations and gave us appropriate names for each of the songs. And um, and DJ Narrative is my friend Mark Rack, who I used to live with in 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 Birmingham years ago. And so I, when we had these samples, I, I basically invited select number of DJs. Um, Many of which are like my favorite DJs that I've met over the years, and we've got a really good kind of list of of of, uh, of different producers spanning many different genres. And I, and I thought I'd ask one of my old friends, Mark, because I I think I thought oh he'll probably do a really good job at this, and and I think he did. He did did do a really good job. It's one of my favorites on the whole release. Um, so yeah, so yeah, just um out to to Mark Rack from Birmingham. Uh, yeah, Maganga Ma Mie, Access to the Sacred by DJ Narrative, and
0: yeah. And thank you, cheers Alex. Freedom is in the mind. <laughs>
2: I'm just gonna go go wherever I'm gonna my red. I'm just gonna go go I'm gonna my red
3: I'm a man, I'm